right, good to see you this morning. Good to be here. I, tell you, I don't know if Brenda talked about it much. We're kind of dropping like flies in my house, falling like dominoes. Um, so uh, anyway, I appreciate your uh, crumps are kind of running around a little bit crazy today. So uh, anyway, I appreciate your patience with us this morning. Um, let's see, we've been talking about, um, in the, uh, we've started a sermon series about two weeks ago where we've been talking about family and, and uh, we're putting a lot of emphasis right now on on uh, raising children, and we're going to finish the series in, in February um, with, uh, uh, with marriage. So anyway, we're going to be, st- we're talking today again about children, and specifically about disciplining children. And let me, uh, let me just give you a couple of notes about it before I get started. Um, let me just, um, I didn't tell my parents I was going to do this, but uh, let me just brag on them a little bit. Um, both my parents, um, I don't think they mind me telling you, it's no secret, um, come from broken homes, and not just uh, not just slightly broken, kind of badly broken. Um, honestly, both of them uh, grew up um, with, uh, at some point at least, with uh, without dads. And um, somehow, and I can't figure it out, but somehow my parents were able to figure out how to be incredibly good parents uh, to my sister and I. And uh, yeah. <laughs> And, and I tell you, um, the difference is, I, you know, I know there's so many of you that I, that I get to, to talk with and we get to have, you know, long discussions about our relationship with the Lord with. Um, the, the way that my parents raised me, it was not difficult for me to know who God was when I, be, when I, when I grew up, you know, and we kind of talked about this last week, but, but we, are, we are teaching our children um, about who God is and what he's like. And one day, they're going to learn to relate to him the way that they've been relating to you, Right? Which is incredible responsibility, isn't it, parents? Matter of fact, if you know if you're if you're not compelled to pray, you're not feeling the weight of that, right? If you're not feeling compelled to pray every day, you're not feeling the weight of that. Matter of fact, I remember when my children were small. You know, when kids are little, <clears throat> you're worried a lot of time just about their well-being. You know, you're just worried about every little sniffle when you're first-time parents. You're worried about every little cough, and and some of that's for good reason. Um, but as they grew up, you know what I noticed is that f- fewer and fewer of my prayers were for my children and more and more of my prayers became for me because I really start to feel that responsibility that, man, my role here and my adequacy as a, uh, as a father, as a representative of God to my children, uh, I need some work, <laughs> right? And that recognition began to really grow. Um, but anyway, so, so um, let me just say this. There are no perfect families. And we're going to read about a really, a really broken family today. We're going to read the story of Eli and his sons today. Honestly, if you read in the scriptures, especially in the Old Testament, where we have a lot of the historical, a lot of stories about, about families, you're going to find that virtually all of them had pretty major issues. There are many more bad examples of, fa- of families than there are good examples of families in the, in, the, in the scriptures. And I think the reason why is the same experience experience that we've had. We, none of us grew up in a perfect family. None of us actually are still today are creating a perfect family, are we? Because none of us are perfect people. And so none of, none of us are perfect fathers and none of us are perfect mothers. Um, but, the, but, the, but the truth is, is because of God's great redemption, because of God's great salvation, he has the ability to change what was left out in your life in the family you grew up in He's able to, to put into your life and to be for your children through you what you never had. Amen? We believe in God's power. I mean, we, we believe in the power of the gospel here. We believe in the, in the power of the wisdom of the scriptures. We believe in the power of the Holy Spirit to do in the lives of people what, 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 uh, where, where people have failed. So um, anyway, so we've been talking, our, kind of our key verse for this whole um, series has been Psalm 127. I love it. It says, sons are a heritage from the Lord, children a reward from him. 
like arrows in the hands of a warrior are sons born in one's youth. I love that idea. I love that. I love the. I, I love the picture in my mind that 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 um, that sons or or children in particular or, or or more more less particular, less specific. Children are a way for us to affect and project into the future. But not only that, you and I are by the way that we are raising our children, by the way that we act toward them, we are setting a course for them for the rest of their lives, just like. Uh, just like a, a bowman might set an arrow into, into, uh, into projection, you and I are doing that for our children's lives. And so what we've talked about the last couple of weeks, the first week, um, two weeks ago or three weeks ago, we talked about the environment in your home. The environment in your home will set the course for your kids for the rest of their lives. And we talked about how to be, we want to be very intentional about the environment in our home. We want to, we want to make sure that we're, we're raising our children up in an environment that, that, that has the, the love and the peace of God is just pervasive all throughout. And, and I've given, you've, uh, Steve and, and, and William passed out uh, some, uh, some handouts for you from last week. Um, that was week one. Week two, um, last week, we talked about, um, about kids learning learning what God is like and how to relate to Him by the, way that we relate to, by the way that they relate to us, by the way that we act toward them. And we talked about that, about how important it is that we have this real, we have this balance where children aren't you know, pushed aside and, and told essentially that they're unimportant, but they're also not brought up to, so that they're set up on a pedestal and said, you're the most important thing um, in all the world because that's not the case either. Um, the truth is, is that is that marriage is important. Our relationship with God and His authority over us is important, and our and our children are a priority as well. But they're not a priority above those things. Amen. Okay. So what I want to do this morning is is read to you from First uh, Samuel chapter two. This is the story of Eli. Eli was the first um, the first judge of Israel. You remember uh, before Israel had kings that had judges? Eli was the first. He was also a high priest. He had been appointed as, as high priest of God. And this was before the, the, the temple. This is back in the time that the Israelites had the tabernacle. And so it was basically the temple on wheels, right? It was basically a tent of meeting, they called it, because it was literally like a tent. Um, they carried around everywhere that they went as they wandered around. They carried the, the, the tabernacle, but it was set up much like the temple. Um, they had the Ark of the Covenant there where, where the priest would go, and he would off, offer sacrifice there. And Eli and then his sons became, uh, became priests as Eli was the high priest. His son's name, Hophni and, and Phinehas. Um, and um, we're going to read about their story here this morning. So 1 Samuel, beginning in chapter 2, we're going to read verses 12 through 17 and then jump to verse 22. So if you have your Bibles with you, would you read along with me? 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 12. <clears throat> Eli's sons were wicked men. They had no regard for the Lord. Now it was the practice of the priest with the people that whenever anyone offered a sacrifice, and while the meat was being boiled, the servant of the priest would come with a three-pronged fork in his hand. He would plunge it into the pan or kettle or cauldron or pot, and the priest would take, it, take for himself whatever the fork brought up. This is how they treated all the Israelites who came to Shiloh. Shiloh was the name of the place where the tabernacle was. But even before the fat was burned, the servant of the priest would come um, and say to the man who was sacrificing, Give the priest some meat to roast. He won't accept any boiled meat from you, only, the, only raw. If the man said to him, let the fat be burned up first and then take whatever you want, the servant would answer, no, hand it over now. If you don't, I'll take it by force. Verse 17, this sin of the young men was very great in the Lord's sight, for they were treating the Lord's offering 
with contempt. Let me explain what was going on there. God had established for the Israelites the, the, um, the sacrificial system. Part of that sacrificial system, people would come to the tabernacle or later come to the temple at least three times a year, and they would bring an animal sacrifice to offer to the Lord, and that was an atonement, and an, an offering that would cover over their sins. It was a serious deal to the Lord because one of the things that it was, it was a, it was a symbolism or a foreshadowing of what God would be doing through his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, who would be called what? The Lamb of God who would give his life for the sins of his people, right? And so this was a big deal to God. This was sacred territory to him. And, and he had spelled out to, in the book of Leviticus, he had spelled out exactly how the sacrificing system was to work. Someone would bring an animal and the animal would be slaughtered and the meat would be portioned out and it would be burned there as an offering to the Lord. And then some of the meat would be taken and boiled in a pot or a cauldron. And you see what's happening. So they come along with a, a three-pronged fork and you see the servant of the priest is coming along and he's just reaching down into this pot of water and he's reaching down and he's pulling out a, a piece of meat and that meat would be offered to the priests, right? That would be offered to the, to the Levites. That would be offered to them. And so the deal was is that so that the priests wouldn't have to work, but their work was all in the temple. Their work was all for that. God was then providing for them by the sacrifice um, of people, which is a whole great theology we could talk about for a long time, but we don't have time for that today. Just, just get this, is that this was God's way of showing to them, this is my um, providence. This is my providing for you as priests, okay? And so what happened, when they reached down in the boiling pot, they wouldn't know what piece of meat they were getting right? And so they had to be kind of trusting of the Lord that whatever size the piece, whatever part of the piece of the animal came up, that was going to be enough for them and their families. That was going to be enough to serve them. And so it was this deal where, where, they, where basically God had set up in this, you're going to have to trust me, Levites, priests, you're going to have to trust me for your food. You're going to have to trust me for your, for your, um, for, for your survival. And instead, Eli's sons said, no, we're going to pick the meat ourselves, and we're going to pick it before it's even offered as a burned sacrifice, as a, as, a, uh, uh, as a burned offering. We're going to take it before then. So they were saying basically what? I don't care what the Lord's direction is. I'm going to do my own thing. I'm, I'm, going, to, I'm going to make sure that I'm provided for. I'm going to make sure I get the piece of meat that I want. I'm going to make sure I provide for me and my family and that I get what I want no matter what, um, the, 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 no matter what the Lord said about what, how the sacrificial system was supposed to work. That was, that angered the Lord. That, that, that set off his judgment against them. Okay, so there we are in First uh, Samuel chapter 2. This is a big deal to the Lord. This is a big deal to him because this was sacred territory, and they were basically, um, yeah, it, how it ends there, they were treating the Lord's offering with contempt, right? They're saying, I, I want to pick my steak. I don't, I don't want you to do it. I, I don't care about this whole offering thing. This is about me and about me getting the piece of meat I want. Now skip down with me in verse 22. Now Eli, so Eli was their father, Hophni and, and uh, Phineas' father. Now Eli, who was very old, heard about everything his sons were doing to Israel and how they, here's some other things that they were doing. How about this? How they slept with the women who served at the entrance to the tent of meeting. So he said to them, here's Eli speaking, why do you do such things? I hear from all the people about these wicked deeds of yours. No, my sons, it is not a good report that I hear spreading among the Lord's people. If a man sins against another man, God may, may mediate for him. But if man sins against the Lord, who will intercede for him? His sons, however, did not listen to their father's rebuke, for it was the Lord's will to put them to death. 
Okay, so what would happen in the, in the next couple of chapters is that the Lord's going to send a, an, a man to prophesy against Eli, and he says, because you did not restrain your sons, I'm going to bring an end to your uh, priesthood over, um, over Israel. There's, there's going, I'm going to bring it all to an end. Matter of fact, y'all, y'all know the term Ichabod, right? It's, it's forever now captured in the, in, uh, the Ichabod crane, right, of the, of the headless horseman. The, the term kabod in the, in the Old Testament in Hebrew means glory, right? Ichabod means no glory. And one of Eli's grandsons, whenever he was born, he was named Ichabod, no glory, or meaning that the glory of the Lord had departed because God struck down in one day Phinehas and Hophni, and Eli all in one day, and the lineage of, of, um, of, of Eli and his, and his priesthood over the household ended that day. And when his grandson was born, they said, Ichabod, because the glory of the Lord has departed. Okay, now let me say all of that to say, why did it come to that? Because Eli failed to discipline his sons. That simple, isn't it? Eli failed to discipline his sons, and it affected the, his, his lineage from that time forward. It would affect not only his sons, it would affect his whole family for generations because he failed to do what he was called to do as a parent and a father. Yeah? You, you feeling that as a parent? You, you, you feeling that on your shoulders a little bit about the importance of, of discipline? Listen, it, it ruined a family. And listen, if you, um, you know, we all know some of the Proverbs. Tell me some of the Proverbs you know about disciplines and sons in, in, in the book of Proverbs. Spare the rod. Right, and when he is old, he will not repart, depart from it. Spoil the rod, or I'm sorry, spare the rod. Spoil the child. We all know this. Actually, Proverbs has, I don't know how many verses, 12, 20 verses, all about disciplining children, uh, all over and over and over and again. But let me just tell you the crux of it all. You don't discipline your children, you're ruining their lives. That, that's kind of the, the crux of it. That's kind of what it says, just like that. If you don't discipline your children, you're ruining their lives. It's, it's that important. And God takes it very important. It's interesting to me that God not only punishes Hophni and, and uh, Phinehas, but also the punishment is against Eli because he failed as a father to, to restrain his sons and, and to, hold, to make sure that he was holding them responsible to being respectful of the Lord's offering in the sacrificial system, obedient to what the Lord had called them to do, right? So important, right? Let me tell you... Um, uh, so, so some of the things we might talk about here is that, is that Eli, he knew there was a problem, and he went to address it, and he went and he warned his sons, you know, I'm hearing this report, and it's not good to sin against the Lord. But where was the action, right? It, it was warning, but there was no action. There was no follow-through. There was no follow-up against him, uh, against what they were doing. When very clearly, honestly, if you're reading the book of Leviticus, Eli should have called them out and have them executed because of what they were doing in the Lord's temple, right? You can't go sleeping around with women and treating the Lord's offering with respect in the tabernacle, you know? Surprise, right? Yeah, those are the expectations. They're pretty high, right? But you, you can't be doing that. And, and, that's, and, and so maybe no wonder um, he didn't follow through, but, uh, but the, that lack of, of parental, the lack of Eli's discipline, the lack of, of he himself having the discipline to correct his sons um, ruined his family. 
Um, I do want to say, so let me point out to you, though, this, is that the way that God exercised discipline against Eli's sons. So, and this is a great model for us. The very first thing is that, that the Lord does is that he set the expectations. God had already, in, in Leviticus, he had already spelled out, this is how the sacrificial system is supposed to work. It's an offering to me. It's, a, it's an atonement for sin. It's a, it's a sacred and, and holy thing that you're supposed to be doing. And so he had already set the expectations about what it was required of the, of the priest. So he had already set the expectations. The next thing is, is to give warning. God had spoken against Eli, and he would spoke, speak against Eli two times before you would carry out action against Eli and his sons. Um, he, so he gave warning. The third thing is that he stated the consequences. He said, all right. I, say, I stated the expectations. You didn't meet them. You didn't do what I told you to do. You were disobedient. You were defiant against what I said. And so let me tell you, these are going to be the consequences. And when there was no response, when there were no corrective actions, when there was no repentance, what happened? Discipline. God carry out his judgment against them. I think that's a great uh, model for us as parents about how we, should, how we should discipline our children, how we ought to think about discipline. It's making sure that we're setting expectations for our children and telling them what's expected of them. But, and then the next thing is to, is to give them a warning when they don't meet it. And then the next thing is, is to tell them the consequences. If you don't do what I'm telling you to do here, there are going to be consequences, and this is what they are. And so, right, that all puts it back on your children. Now they have a choice. I can be defiant. I can be disobedient and suffer the consequences, or I can do what my parents tell me, and we can all have peace and harmony in the house, right? They have a choice. Your children will choose both at different times, right? It's going to happen. What are you going to do? Listen, you have to do what you said. You have to be consistent. You have to do what you said whenever you stated what the consequences were, were going to be. But let me tell you, we fail all the time in, in, in many cases, right? We fail all the time. Sometimes we forget to set the expectation, right? Forget, sometimes we forget to tell our kids what's important to us and what things we consider so important that they need to be very obedient about. The other thing is, is that sometimes we give no warning, right? Sometimes parents jump automatically to a slap on the hand, a slap on the butt, whatever, and, and they fail to give a warning. I, I don't think that's appropriate. I, I think it's typically it's, it's appropriate to tell your kid this is the expectation, this is the consequence. You, you break the expectation. You're, if you're disobedient and defiant to me, there are going to be consequences, and, and I'm going to give you a warning, but that's it. Um, let me say, too, so I'm going to go through, and, and we're going to talk a lot of kind of, kind of big-picture things about, about discipline, but, but let me say, this is just from my experience. Every, every house, every household kind of has their own details about what the house rules ought to be. And, and I'm not sitting here telling you that I've got it all figured out. Listen, we have made more parenting mistakes than we've made parenting successes in my house. You know what I'm saying? We've overreacted sometimes when we shouldn't have overreacted about our children's behavior. We've underreacted sometimes about our children's behavior when we should have reacted more strongly. We blow it all the time. Matter of fact, I think we've blown it more than we've got it right. But, but I think there are some things here this morning that we can, we can all learn from the Lord of God. And then we can listen very specifically and, and pray and ask for guidance, ask for wisdom. Because the, the other thing that complicates this is, is, right, is that every child is different, right? And so, you know, you kind of get things figured out with your first child and you think, oh, man, we're kind of getting this after two or three years. And man, I kind of get what discipline is going to be like. And then the, the other one's born and it's like they came from someone else, right? They, these must be, these can't be our kids. They can't be right? They're night and day, right? So um, we, in our house, we have Jessica tends to be our, our strong-willed child, and she was our first. And I remember I, I was a really compliant kid, and, and Brenda was a very compliant kid. And then we have this little Jessica who is 
who is strong-willed, who would, I mean, every day when she was three years old, maybe, I may be exaggerating that a little bit, almost every day when she was three years old, we would tell her, we would set the expectation about, now this is what you need to do. This is what you have to do. And she would push boundaries and push boundaries and push boundaries and push boundaries until we would finally have to spank her, right? Day after day after day. And she wore us out, but we were consistent, right? Mostly. We were consistent. And, and after battling with her, and I tell you, it feels like that. If you've got a strong-willed kid, it just feels like every day. It's like you're putting on the, putting on the gloves, you know. It's like, all right, let's go. Not I'm talking about, not talking about physical abuse. That was true, just a, a metaphor, right? Um, but but it, it was like that. It felt like, it felt like we were going to battle with her every day. But I tell you what, every time that it got to the point where we, you, oh, this is a warning. Don't you do that again. Oh, no, I'm telling you, that's two. Third time, that, you know, third time's the prize. Third time, boom, yep, going to be a spanking. After that, almost every time, she was the sweetest. You know, her eyes would get big and brown. She'd be like doe-eyed, you know. She'd be like, oh, I'm telling you, she felt better when we reinforced the boundaries that she had set. She needed to feel those boundaries to feel secure. And she needed us as the parents and the authorities in the house to set that for her. And once we did, and when we were consistent for years, it pays off. I'm telling you, right? You, you, those of you who have raised children, consistent discipline. The days, it just seems like every day you're just dealing with discipline time after time after time after time. But after a period of time, after, after your kid turns five or six, the times that you have to spank them goes like, you know, you know, uh, you know 500 times a year down to it's incredible the change. If you'll be consistent and disciplined, your kids will get it, right? Now, Jessica's still strong-willed, right? She, she still is. But listen, that's not a bad thing, right? I, I, I know with Jessica, I'm never going to have trouble with her, you know, jumping into something and, and uh, something that she really loves. She's going to push, push through and she's, gonna, she's, gonna, she's got the drive to do what she wants to do. She really, she really does. It's not a bad thing to be strong-willed, right? We're not, trying to, we're not trying to just create a bunch of compliant children. We're trying to create a bunch of children who respond to God's authority. That's what we're trying to do, right? And we're trying to teach them how to rule, how to live under our authority, our authority first. Okay, so let's continue. Um, Proverbs 3, let's talk about discipline for just a moment, about where it comes from. Proverbs chapter 3, verses 11 and 12. Let me read it on the big screen here. Uh, my son, do not despise the Lord's discipline and do not resent his rebuke. Now, this is talking about, this is a proverb that's talking about discipline against grown people, right? The Lord's discipline against you and me, about the way that the Lord disciplines or corrects us, right? So this is God toward us, God our Father correcting us even as we're adults. And he says this, don't, don't, don't despise it, don't, don't re- resent it, because the Lord disciplines those he loves as a father, the son he delights in. What does that say? What's the source of discipline? What's the source of the Lord's discipline toward us? His love. He loves us, and therefore, he disciplines us. Let me tell you, let me ask you this. There are, there are a couple of reasons that, that maybe parents don't discipline. The first reason is it's those parents who just don't feel like they've got time to deal with their children. These parents who, the kid comes in and they've got, you know, they've got all these issues and there's things going all around and the kids are bouncing off the walls and all this stuff. And the parent, listen, doesn't care enough to teach them how to grow up to be a little person, right? They don't care enough. They don't love them enough to discipline. 
Listen, you, you, you and I have all known people who've grown up without discipline. You and I all know people whose parents were just a pushover and the parents were, 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 were totally uninvolved in their lives. When those kids grow up, how do those kids feel about their parents when they're 20 years old? The, honestly, the, the word I, that comes to my mind is hatred. Something about a kid needs a parent who cares enough to discipline, to, to set an example for them, to set a bar up here and say, this is what I expect for you. I care about the person you're growing up to be, and I don't want you to be you know, some person down here who can't get along with anyone. I want you to be this kind of person who does well in the relationships, who, who, who treats their, one day will treat your, their wives well or their husbands well, and one day will, will be able to, to relate to people at work and who will be able to keep a job. The other kind of people I think that don't discipline, I think the reason typically is because they're afraid they're going to lose their kid's friendship. Listen, just as true as it is for all of us, all of us want our parents' approval. All of us want our parents' acceptance, right? All parents want their children's acceptance too, right? We do. Dads, we love the thought that our children look up to us as heroes. We love it when our kids are little and they're talking to some other little boy about how, you know, we can beat up their dad, right? We love that. Not that we would. But we just like them to think that, right? When you think, when you're your kid's hero, man, you just love that, don't you? You know, you love that um, idea. You love that, that, that acceptance from your kids. You love them looking up to you. Some kids, some, pe- some parents are so afraid they're going to lose that if they discipline their kids that they let their kids get away with murder, right? You can't do it. You got to love your kids more than you love you. You like that? That, that hurts a little, doesn't it? You've got to love your kids more than you love you. You've got to say, I'm going to set the expectations for you because I want so much out of your life. I want, I want you to do so well in your life. I'm going to set the expectation of, up here at the same time I'm having grace and acceptance because I know you're going to fail, right? Just like God does us, just like he does us. He sets a bar up here on, on he says, be holy like I'm holy. And you and I say, we can't do that. And he says, ah, oh, but I've got grace and acceptance for you too, right? All at the same time. All at the same time. Okay, um, let's see. So, um, so discipline is an act of love. You know, didn't you love it when your parents? Now, spanking was a much bigger deal, right? When we were kids, right? Those of you who are my age and older, spanking was a much bigger deal than it, than it is today, uh, perhaps to our society's downfall. But anyway, um, but but didn't you love it when your parents would spank you and they'd say something like this? This hurts you. What? Yes, and you was like, no, nah, uh, no, it doesn't. Right, right. But, but it does, you know, we, we don't want, to, we don't want to, to get to the point of corporal punishment with our kids, generally. We don't generally want to get there, right? But listen, it, it's our responsibility as, children, as, as parents. We have to teach them. We have to, we have to help them. We have to teach them how to good, be little people. Um, um, the other thing about discipline, it shows, it shows your kids that you care about them. The other thing is it develops their ability to, to um, learn how to relate to other people. Listen, if... All children, all people grow up being totally self-centered. If you don't believe me, hang around a two-month-old for a little bit. They're hungry, they'll cry. They're wet, they'll cry. All why? To get your attention, to get some action out of you, right? Kids have to be taught. They have to grow up. They have to be taught to say there are other people in the world, (laughs) right? There are other people in the world, and they deserve consideration just like you, right? And, and they have to be taught. They have to, they have to know. They have to learn how to relate in the world, and they have to have discipline to do that. If you don't do that, they're not going to know how to relate to other people, and it's going to affect every relationship for the rest of their lives, especially the relationship with the Lord. 
Um, lack of discipline is a lack of love. Yeah, I've, we've kind of talked about that. Let me talk to you real quick about three kinds of parenting. First kind is permissive parenting. Permissive parenting is parenting without discipline. It just means that the kid can do whatever they want. The kids, the kids know well enough that they, they're going to do what they, what, what they want to do. It's, it's, it's a loving and it's an accepting, but it's not holding our kids to any standards. Listen, what that says, if, if, I, I love this picture of the arrow. I, I, maybe I'm the only one here, but it's basically like saying, instead of saying, I've got high expectations for my children. I'm going to set an arc for them that, that really propels them out into the future, really helps them really get on with their lives, right? Permissive parenting says, I have no expectations of you. That's not good for a kid. That, that's not good for a child to say, I, I really don't expect much out of you. That, that's not good for them, right? Whatever expectations you're, you set, your kids are going to meet it. The next one is authoritarian parenting. This is, this is a house that's heavy on the rules. It's heavy on accountability. It's, the punishment is, is, is high order, um, but it's light on love. It's light on encouragement, and, and there's no focus on the quality of the relationship between, between parents and children. That, that's, a kind of, that's a kind of relationship, uh, that's kind of one where, where, the, the, where the children grow up, and, and instead, of, instead of really internalizing those, those rules, they learn to, to repel against them. They, they learn to, the, to push back. The kids who grow up in these houses are the kids who are often sneaking out at night. Now, it doesn't happen. It happens in other houses, too. But the kids that grow up in these houses are sneaking out at night to get away with the things that they're being held over their head every day, all day, right? That's the authoritarian house. That's not what we're looking for either, right? So we want discipline, but we also need relationship. Discipline has to happen within the confines of the relationship. And so ultimately what we're looking for is authoritative parenting. That means that the parent is the authority figure in the home. They are acting on God's behalf to teach and to raise a child about, about what life is like. And, and it, 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 that's supposed to be the strength of both, where, where you've got structure and you do have house rules and you've got firmness and accountability, but you also balance that with, with encouragement and you balance that with a quality, you know, focusing on the quality of the relationship between the parents and the children. And, and, and it's all centered around the idea is that this place, this relationship is centered on love. Not the authoritarian, not the tyrant dad or the tyrant mom. It's the loving, it's a loving parent. It's a loving parent, just like the, the Lord does for us. Yeah, he sets expectations. Yeah, yeah he, yeah, he disciplines us, but it's all done within the confines of his love for us. Amen? The way that he treats us is the same way we ought to be treating our children. Let me, let me finish off today with talking about the four stages of parenting. This, these are kind of rough. It depends on the kid. There's some kids that kind of mature a little faster than others, some a little slower than others. But four, four stages of parenting. This is from, uh, this is from some teaching from, uh, from Andy Stanley. It says this. I think, it's, I think it's good wisdom. It says that there are the discipline years between one and five, right? These, well, I'll go, I'll go into it. The discipline years between one and five, the training years between about five and 12, um, and there is some overlap here, the coaching years between 12 and 18, and then the friendship years, 18 and up, when, you're, when, you're, when your little minions grow up and they begin to be like real people, right, when they're 18, or almost real people. All right. <clears throat> so one of the things to, to point out here is, is one of the most common mistakes you can't start out when your kids are one to five with friendship, right? You, you can't be their friend at that age. They need a parent. They need an authority in their home because they have emotions. They have, um, they, they have emotions and no wisdom, 
right? They have, um, they have ideas about, you know, what they'd like for dinner every night, but, but they don't have the wisdom to know what a, what a well-balanced meal. They, they haven't been taught the food pyramid right, yet, right? They, they, want the, they want the top thing all the time, right? They give me donuts and, and uh, candy and cookies all the time, right? They don't have the, the wisdom that you have as a parent, and we as parents have to be the authority in our children's lives, especially at that age. And a lot of this time, a lot of those years between one and five, we're spending a lot of that time disciplining our children. Uh, a, a good bit of time we spend disciplining our children. Your kids need someone to be in charge because they're not ready, right? We all know this. Sometimes we don't act like it. All right, disciplining years. So let me talk to you, to you real quick about discipline, just some things to think about. One is, is that um, it, discipline should be consistent, right? And, and we all mess up here, but, it, but you see it sometimes, right? So um, I, I've talked to some of my brothers here about, about the way that they grew up. And, and so um, let me just tell you, so, so here's a lack of consistency, for example. Um, a kid at the table spills his drink, and they're screaming and yelling and cursing, right? Okay. That same kid um, does something in total defiance, and they're screaming and yelling and cursing. There's no consistency there, right? It's just anger, right? It's just mad. It's just punitive all the time. That's not consistent. Or there needs to be consistency. There needs to be, and I'm going to talk about progression in a little bit, but there's, there's a difference between an accident, obviously, and defiance. And the discipline ought to, ought to be appropriate between the two. You with me? I remember one time when Jonathan was, um, oh, goodness gracious. Let me, I love to tell embarrassing stories when you're in here. Um, Jonathan was about, um, goodness gracious, he was, a, he was a toddler. He might have been 18 months old or something. Anyway, he had gotten into our cabinet, and he took, um, I think it was Rice Krispies. Is that right? Well, first, he started with, with syrup. He found syrup in our, in, our, in our pantry, and he took the top off. I don't know how he did it. He took the top off, and he took the syrup and all over our kitchen floor. He just started squirting syrup all over the floor. Well, before we had caught him, he's like, well, I'm done with the syrup, and he reached in and he grabbed the Rice Krispies, and he opened the box, and he dumped the Rice Krispies or some cereal all over the floor, and when Brenda came in, in horror, found him, you know, crunching the, the Rice Krispies into the syrup, onto our floor in the kitchen. At 18 months, there's not a lot you can do. You know what I mean? I mean, you can get onto them, but it's not like you're going to, you know, you're going to beat them within an inch of their life. They don't know what they're doing. Jonathan also, let me tell you just another story because it's funny. Jonathan also, <laughs> we got a little time, don't I? All right. Jonathan also um, was, was great. He'd, um, so he loves chocolate, always has. He used to steal, he used to, in the pantry, this is about the same age, yeah, we didn't do very well up here, apparently, but about the same age. He would get into the pantry, and I don't know how he did it, because I think they were pretty high on the shelves, but he loved chocolate, and so he would gra- grab chocolate um, frosting, cake frosting, and he would, pe- so I don't know, you know those, I have those foil things on it. I don't know how he did it, but anyway, he pulled that, because he really wanted chocolate, I guess. He would pull that off, and he'd pull that deal off, and he'd go get a spoon, or I guess it was probably just his hand, I, I don't know, and he would go hide, because he knew what he was doing was wrong, Right? <laughs> And he would go and he would hide behind our bed and he would just go and, man, he would just eat that chocolate, just that frosting like that. He'd come back and that thing would be empty. And, uh, and then he'd have chocolate, you know how it would work. So he'd have chocolate all over his face. And Brenda would ask him, Jonathan, have you been eating chocolate? And he would say, no. <laughs> yeah. So maybe a little early to talk to him about lying, but certainly not too early to be talking to him about, uh, you know, if you want something to eat, you need to ask, right? Don't, don't just go get it yourself. Okay. 
But discipline, discipline needs to be consistent. Think about the rules in your household. Talk to your spouse about it. Figure out what, what it should be. You know, what should our expectations be? And set them. Talk to your spouse about it and then talk to your kids about it. But keep it simple. You know, you know if you've got to write it by, on, a, on a tabloid piece of paper, an 11 by 17 paper, it's too much. Keep it simple. What are the things that are going to get your kids in trouble? Those are the things you need to communicate them very, very simply. I'm going to talk about that in just a minute. The next thing is it needs to be, it needs to be progressive. Reserve severe punishment for severe disobedience, right? So, um, so you shouldn't, shouldn't have the same discipline for a child who makes it, has an accident for the child who is in open defiance. And you know what I'm talking about, right? So, so even a little guy, when you tell him, here, I'll just tell one more Jonathan story since I'm on a roll. Jonathan used to stand in, you know, boys and buttons and shiny things, right? So um, Jonathan used to stand in front of our television and just keep pushing the on and off button, just on, off, on, off, on, off, on, off, on, off, on, off. And we'd be like, Jonathan, you're going to break the TV. Don't do that. And he'd look at us, on, off, on, off, on, off. That's defiance, right? He knows what he's supposed to do. He does it. So, you know, one time warning, second time, yeah, he's going to get his hand slapped or, or a spank on the bottom or, or sent into Sintra's uh, room or something. Um, and finally, he broke our TV. But anyway... <laughs> Reserve severe punishment for severe disobedience. Second thing is, or the third thing is, um, is private punishment. Listen, punishment, when you, re- actually have to, when you have to actually carry out punishment or discipline against your kids, listen, d- don't do it in public. This is something I learned from my parents. Don't do it in public. Punishment is not meant to humiliate or embarrass your children, right? It, that's not the purpose of it. It's to correct them. So don't do it in public. You take them out of the situation. You know, you're in a, and you, you know this. When, whenever, whenever your kids were little, there were a lot of times you don't get to eat. Why? Because you're dragging your kids to the car every five minutes because they're, not, they're acting up in the, in the restaurant. But listen, that's what you have to do. Punishment has to be private. This is, you're not doing this just punitive, right? Some, sometimes I think we think of, of discipline as, as I've got to be the warden in prison. Not, listen, you're a father or, or a mother. You're not a warden. A mother or father is interested in, in the relationship and correcting a, re- a behavior or, or restoring a, a relationship's broken. Warden is just interested in punishment. Your, your role here in carrying out discipline is not just punitive. Your role is to say, I told you what would happen. I, I set the example for you because I want you to be a good boy. I want you, I want you to learn how to act right, and I, I need you to do what I tell you to do. And, I, and, and, and so now I'm, I'm going to spank you because I told you I was going to spank you. And I don't like this any more than you do. And this is going to what? Hurt me more than it hurts you. Give them the same speech your parents did. It'll be all right. You, you turned out all right, didn't you? Uh, give them the same speech. And then you carry out the discipline. It's not in anger. It's not in retribution. Yeah, I, you should hate to do it just like I should hate to do it, right? But the, but the point is, is that what you're trying to do is I'm trying to correct you. I'm trying to teach you how to, how to live, how to be up here. Okay, we got to keep going. Um, it should be private. Next thing, it should be done in love. It's not punitive. Yeah, here we go. That's, I kind of stole a little of my own thunder. Um, you're, you're, your father, your mother, you're not a warden. You're not a judge. You're not trying to carry out. You're trying to do a deal. Hey, can I ask you to add one here? Um, it, it should be cooperative. I thought of this after I've already made my notes up. It ought to be cooperative. Mom and dad ought to sit down and figure out what the house rules are together, all right? Because here's the deal. You grew up in different homes with different rules. You come together, and if you don't work that out, your children are going to be very confused about what the rules are, right? Because you hadn't figured them out yet. You got to sit down. The other thing that th- that's important about that is you as a person have been corrupted by sin. Your wife or your husband has been corrupted by sin. Neither of you are a perfect parent. Okay? No, no let that soak in for a minute because a lot of us think we are, 
right? And a lot of us think that our wife is wrong or our husband wrong, and we've got it all figured out. Listen, the reason that the Lord built it so that children would be raised with a, with a mother and a father is because you need someone to balance you out. Can I just say that just real openly? And so do I. I, I need someone to balance me out. Because here's what I know, is that I tend to be harder on Jonathan than I am towards my girls. Yeah? And, and Brenda has the same deal but opposite, right? She tends to be easier on Jonathan and harder on the girls. We need each other to come together so that we can give a balanced approach to raising our children. And you're better at doing it when you do it with your spouse than when you do it on your, on your own. Okay. Oh, boy, here we go. Let's, let's, uh, we're going to have to work through this. Um, those discipline years, those years one through five, those days are long but the years are short. You with me? Man, you may feel like you're battling, doing this battle every day, day on, day out, but the years are short. They're so short-lived, and I promise you, there's going to be a time that you get a break, and your children one day wake up, and they're obeying you if you've been consistent and intentional in the way that you're raising them. Okay, um, training and coaching years. Um, so here's some things to address. Here's some things that ought to, re- ought to, ought to suffer some consequences of, of uh, discipline. The, what to address? Disobedience. Active defiance against the rules that you've set and explained to them, you've got to address that. You have to. Next thing is dishonesty. Listen, children need to know that when they lie, they break trust, and trust breaks relationships. You've got to address that too because that's going to affect their relationship with other people and their relationship with the Lord. Lastly, disrespect. When they're disrespectful, one of the things that you ought to be, that a dad ought to be for a mom is, is, is insist to their children you will treat your mother with respect or you will deal with me, right? Same thing for women. You, especially women towards their daughters, you will treat your father with respect or you're going to deal with me. It's not just going to be him. It's going to be us together. It's unified. We are together. You're going to treat us with respect. Why? Because God said in his holy scriptures that if you obey your father and mother, it will go well with you. If you do not honor your father and your mother, it will not go well with you, correct? All right, okay. Um, so, so maybe some last things here. Uh, just this. So as your kids get older, I've kind of dealt with those early years. I'm sorry, I'm, I'm running much longer than I, than I intended to. Um, as, as your children grow up, one of the things that we want to do is we want to teach them to relate to God. One of the things that I've not done very well with, with Jonathan and, 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 and our kids, but I want to do much better at, is it to teach them to listen to God. Not to be always making decisions for them, but when they have a decision, they're up in their teen years to be asking, you know, they'll come to you, well, what, what, do, you, what do you think about this? Is to, to put it back on them and say, why don't you pray about it? Why don't you ask God about it? And then come back to me and tell me what you think the Lord would lead you to do. And, and speak to them, you know, speak over your kids from the time that they're very little. Speak to your kids about the calling and the purpose that God has for them. Listen, inspire them to have a relationship with their, with their Heavenly Father. Inspire them that you don't know the, the, the purpose. You don't know what God has in store for you, but I know it's magnificent. I know He has an incredible plan for your life. Start speaking that over your kids when they're very small and just continue that on because what you want is you want your kids looking to the Lord to be making, those, making decisions in their lives, especially when they're teenagers because they're still lacking a little wisdom, aren't they? You want them seeking the Lord about the decisions that they're making. One of the ways that you can do it is you can speak to them about the purpose. You can speak to them about God's calling. And you can encourage them, even at a pretty early age, to seek the Lord about the decisions they have to make. All right? How about that? All right. Let's, uh, let's dismiss. I apologize. I kept you much longer than I intended to today. But I uh, love this stuff. This is great stuff. You know, and my, uh, my time as a parent is about over. And, and uh, I'm, I'm not going to get a second chance, or at least I don't expect to. So uh, <laughs> anyway... Uh, so uh, anyway, um, 
So take, you know, take what I've said, and, and uh, you, you and your spouse, y'all go figure out how to apply this in your, in your household, amen? Um, what we do is not going to work for you. What, what you do wouldn't work for me, but y'all go figure out how together um, with the brains that God gave you and seeking him about how to make things very simple, very structured in your home um, that you might raise your kids in a way that's honoring to him, amen? All right, let's dismiss. Scott, would you mind praying for us to be dismissed?